the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things. Put them in your brain. Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your other host, Peter. Today, we thought it would be a little fun to do another album review, because we just did one on Daft Punk, and another album came out that we thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Legend Remixed, which is basically a electronic remixing of Bob Marley's famous Legend album, remixed by a bunch of different electronic artists, as well as some of his own sons, like Ziggy, Marley, and Steven. That's true. And it actually just came out a couple days ago, on the 25th, so you guys can snag it in CD form or MP3, and I think they're even coming out with a vinyl later in July. Before we jump into Legend Remix, just a couple of fun facts about the original Legend album. Um, it was released in 1984, and it was a posthumous release after Marley's death, and it features many of the greatest hits of his career. Um, Rolling Stone considers this album the 46th best album of all time, out of 500. And it's also the best-selling reggae album of all time, which is awesome. And it's sold 25 million copies worldwide, which is pretty incredible. That's a lot of... Shut up, kitty. Go away. Imagine if we had 25 million listeners. That means that, like, 10% of the U.S. would be listening to us right now. That would be kind of scary. <laughs> we would be like the Super Bowl of funk. <laughs> so, Legend Remix is, obviously, like I was saying, a remixed version of this album, Legend. I've noticed that it's been released to a lot of mixed feelings, and I guess this can't be that unexpected, because a lot of diehard Bob Marley fans really don't like this album at all because it detracts from the original versions of his songs, which most of us are familiar with. Others praise this album for its interpretation of the music and kind of its new look at some of these songs that we are have been familiar with for a long time. Unfortunately, this album is only rated 2.5 out of 5 stars on Amazon.com right now. A little bit less than I was expecting, but I was <laughs> scrolling through the reviews on Amazon and some of the review titles stood out to me that I wanted to share with you. Some of the negative reviewers say, and I quote, This album is an insult to Marley. In all caps, oh hell no. There's one that says sacrilegious. They destroyed Bob Marley's music. And one of my favorites, I got excited and then threw up just a little. Um, so as you can see, there's a lot of um, disappointed people with this album. Those are only a few. I think most, a lot of the uh, reviews are actually negative, which is a little disappointing. Because I know uh, you and I, Kyle, seem well- to... I think the biggest problem is that, on the whole, people that listen to Bob Marley's music don't necessarily aren't necessarily the same people that listen to electronic music yeah. in, a, in a significant way. Yeah. So you're kind of trying to cross two genres who listener, whose listeners probably don't listen to both. So people that listen to old Marley, right? Especially older generation, are going to be like, "What the hell are they doing to this with their beeps and boops?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas people our age might appreciate it a little bit more because Marley was like sort of a discovery for us, similar to like our Beatles discovery. Mm-hmm. There's all, everyone always has their Marley discovery, but we also appreciate electronic music more. So we're more likely to be like, Oh, that's you know a cool twist. Yeah. And I think at least for me, the fact that his own sons helped work on this kind of yeah. legitimizes it more. Yeah. Yeah. If it was just some electronic artist that's like, Hey, let's remix this stuff. Okay. <laughs> it would be kind of like, okay, what are they doing? But because he basically, they basically got the approval, so, so to speak, of Bob Marley's own kin, and they helped facilitate the whole project, kind of gives it some credence to me, so I'm like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, something that I was reading among 
one of the positive reviews, actually. I think it was. Someone was making the point that reggae and dub as well, which is kind of a derivative of reggae, a lot of that is about remixing. So it's a little surprising that there's so many um, negative reviews on this when reggae, from the early days of reggae, there was a, there was a lot of remixing going on and other people doing their own interpretations of the songs. So you'd think that even the people who are, like you were saying, who are more familiar, like the old school reggae type people, you think that they would be a little bit more open to to remixing mm-hmm. for that reason, I guess. Especially since, for I mean, among other influences, dubstep music was directly influenced from reggae music and old dub music. In that way, it's a little surprising that so many people have downplayed that album. But you, you do have a good point that I think that a lot of the people that remember, at least yeah, especially the older generation, the people who remember these songs in their original form and have you know still listen to them for decades, I can see how they would be upset by. Uh, these new renditions. And and when I heard about this um, album originally, I was a little, just a little bit worried that I might respond in the same way. But overall, I, I think that the the artists did a really good job of doing a respectful way of, of remixing these songs. Yeah. And like you said, since, since his sons were part of the personnel who are helping produce this album, I think it legitimizes it a lot. Yeah. One thing I, I got to say about this album that like stood out to me too is like a lot of electronic artists, when they when they take a song and remix it, they remix it to their own sound, rather mm-hmm. than fitting their sound to the original song. Yeah. But in this one, a lot of the artists did a really amazing job at getting the remix to kind of evoke the tempo and the feeling of the original. Yeah, there's a lot more consistency throughout, in, in terms of sound. So I wouldn't say they like sacrificed their own sound, but they kind of molded their own style to the songs that they were remixing, yeah. rather than vice versa. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's the way it should be for a lot of remixes. Yeah, that reminds me of something I was thinking too. I think the fear with with a lot of people when they hear the the word remix or like electronic remix, depending on who it is, sometimes the electronic artist who's remixing puts so much, like you were saying, puts so much of their own, own sound into it that the original is almost completely overshadowed and you only get bits and pieces of it. Whereas with these, it's almost like these artists are secondary to the original song. Exactly. That would actually be like an interesting, I guess topic is like what makes a song quote-unquote sacrilegious to remix or what makes a song so iconic that like to mess with it and or to remix it or sample it in any way is like bad or like what elements makes it make a song untouchable it's like yeah you can't mess with the classics man <laughs> well these guys certainly did mess with the classics but um i i i think that we agree that they did a pretty good job on this um despite what a lot of people are saying i think so Although a lot of individual reviewers are saying that they don't care for this that much, I'm noticing that more professional reviewers who are writing articles about this album seem to put this in a positive light. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting discrepancy. So like professional critics versus the general public. Yeah. Critics like it, the public can't see past their own. Yeah. Like, you see that with, you see that with movies, too. Oh, yeah, of course. Critics will like unanimously love a movie, and then the public is just like, it was too pretentious, it was stupid. Yeah. Or the other way around, too. Like that Superman movie, all the critics hated it, but most of the public who saw it really liked it. Yeah. I guess let's get into some of the songs. We're not going to go through all of them, because then we have like a two-hour show, and we don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, and you probably don't want to listen to two hours of us talking. Yeah. This album has 16 songs. We're only going to go through a few of them. But I think this will give you guys a kind of a good cross-section of what the album sounds like as a whole. Should be pretty cool. The first one we wanted to talk about is Three Little Words, which was remixed by Stephen Marley, Bob Marley's son, and Jason Bentley. Three Little Birds is probably one of 
Bob Marley's most iconic songs, even off this album, because it's the Don't Worry, Be Happy song. That's true. And this song actually originally came off their 1977 album Exodus, and it reached number 17 on the UK charts. Regarding the remix, Stephen Marley himself is actually a four-time Grammy Award-winning artist and part of the band Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers. In February 12, 2012, Stephen Marley won the Grammy Award for Best Reggae Album for his newest work, Revelation Part 1, The Root of Life. That's cool. He himself is, I mean, probably not as accomplished as his dad, but very accomplished musician, and he had a hand in this, mm-hmm. so it makes it sound pretty cool. <laughs> and I guess regarding Jason Bentley, he obviously is an electronic artist, and he actually a fairly famous one in his own right. In 2004, he actually was part of a group that successfully lobbied the Recording Academy to add a Best Electronic Slash Dance Album category to the Grammy Awards. Cool. More fun facts about Jason Bentley really quick. He actually coordinated all the music for the three Matrix films, mm-hmm. as well as Animatrix, which was that anime that they did, <laughs> based off the Matrix. And he actually also um, coordinated the f- music for Tron Legacy. Now, obviously, that was pr- uh, done by Daft Punk, but he helped organize, you know, song sound. That's pretty cool. All that stuff. So he's, he's also very accomplished, I guess, in the film music industry. That's cool. Regarding this particular this song, this remix of Three Little Birds, I think, as we were talking earlier, how, how the artists did a good job of, like, capturing the feeling of the original. Yeah. This song is a good example of that because Three Little Birds is so upbeat and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. This one seems to have, like, the least, or some of the least kind of electronic involvement. Like, there's some reverb, there's some echo mm-hmm. thrown in there. Yeah. All it, do, all it really is is an, an enhancement of the original. They basically retain the entirety of the original song. Yeah. And there's a number of songs on here that are more like that. I know um, yeah. I felt like Waiting in Vain, which is the opening track. I felt like that one did it. Agreed. But yeah, it's it's like it's these little things that kind of heighten the song and give it like that sort of contemporary sound. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really do any sort of injustice to the original. I think it sounds great and it maintains that same upbeat attitude. Yeah, it kind of gives it a little bit more life. Agreed. Should we go ahead and listen to a clip and let our listeners hear for themselves? I think we should. up this morning smile with the rising sun So that was the Stephen Marley and Jason Bentley remix version of Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Um, as Peter was saying, good song, good remix version. If you don't like it, you suck. <laughs> well, we won't go that far, but um, you will at least be in the majority <laughs> if you don't. If you don't, but I mean, I think this is one of the ones like we were saying. Like, if it's gonna be hard to not like this one at least among the collection because it's so close to the original. So the next song from this album that we wanted to discuss a little bit, the RAC remix of Could You Be Loved. Um, RAC is the Remix Artist Collective, and they're a trio of remix artists who rearrange popular songs using uh, rock and electronic instrumental elements. And also, I found it kind of interesting that they tend to use older drum loop equipment from the 70s and 80s, which adds kind of a cool sound to it. Previously, they've done remixes for artists like uh, Kings of Leon 
Edward Sharp, Death Cab for Cutie, and Foster the People, among several others. The original version of Could You Be Loved was released on Marley's 1980 album, Uprising. And interestingly enough, I was reading that many consider this song to have a disco influence. I can kind of see that. I mean, it is 1980, so the timing works yeah, out just, fairly well. That's, that's the year disco died. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't... It's, it's certainly not um, disco in, in the, the strict sense, but I can see how it maybe has like a little bit of influence. Kind of like um, that Rolling Stones song. Miss You. Yeah, I mean, because that, that's considered disco sort of, but I wouldn't say that sounds like regular disco as much. They may actually, because I think this is certainly in my top three, if not my favorite, Bob Marley song. So it's kind of funny that it also has a disco influence because I like disco as well. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the song after we listen to a clip. Once again, that was Could You Be Loved, the RAC remix, originally by Bob Marley, obviously. This one isn't quite as close to the original as the previous song we were talking about, but I think it still takes enough of the original, and you still get enough feeling for it that it's still enjoyable. Like I was saying, Could You Be Loved is one of my favorite Bob Marley songs, and this is also one of my favorites from this album. Not necessarily, that's not necessarily connected. I think they just, they both don't sound quite the same, but they both have a sound that I like. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's fun. So coming up next, another song we wanted to talk about was I Shot the Sheriff, which is remixed by Ronnie Size. Kyle, have you ever shot the sheriff? No, but I shot the deputy. <laughs> Good response. See, I did the opposite of Bob Marley. I didn't shoot the sheriff, but I shot the deputy. And then he hmm. shot the sheriff, but didn't shoot the deputy. So by doing that, we killed both. <laughs> That's what's together. So the song was originally written by Bob Marley. Who would have known? And it's told from the point of view of a narrator who admits to have killed the local sheriff and claims to be falsely accused of killing the deputy sheriff. The narrator also claims that he to have acted in self-defense when the sheriff tried to shoot him. The song was first released in 1973 on the Royalist album Burning. Marley explained his intention as follows, quote, I want to say I shot the police, but the government would have made a fuss, so I said I shot the sheriff instead. But it's the same idea, justice. Hmm. So, I shot Martin, the police. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bob Marley was Batman. <laughs> Did Batman ever shoot police? No. He's always like, no guns, no killing. Even though I probably killed a lot of people accidentally with my <laughs> shenanigans. So you're saying that Bob Marley's kind of like Batman? Yeah, he wants justice. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, the song in 1973 would have, like, made a big fuss if he would have, if, if he would have said, I shot the police. Mm-hmm. But then, like, what, 1987 or something? Uh... Public Enemy came out with F the Police. Oh, yeah. And it's not a that, was, that was all fine and good. So it's yeah, Hip Hop doesn't have any reservations with their As opposed ideas to, like, of the Yeah, place. exactly. <laughs> Regarding Ronnie Size, the remixer of this album, he is a British record producer and DJ who came to prominence in 1997 as the founder and leader of Represent with a Z. Cool. <laughs> a drum and bass collective. That year, they won the Mercury Prize for their album forms that's i don't know what the mercury prize is but it's capitalized so it must be a big deal that's true i don't know i've never heard the mercury prize either (laughs) neither have i so either we don't know that much about music or that's not a huge prize speaking of wikipedia did you hear that um 
some sort of literary collective of sorts, rated Wikipedia as as like 99% as accurate as the Encyclopedia Britannica. That's really cool. So all those teachers and professors that say, you can't use Wikipedia as a source, that always frustrated me in high school because like Wikipedia was first kind of like gaining traction. Yeah. And some teachers would like like say you can't use Wikipedia. But like Wikipedia is probably like one of the more accurate sources on all of the internet because it's peer reviewed by hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Why they thought that like, you know, an article written by one guy is more accurate than like an article that's peer reviewed by hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Most of Wikipedia's I mean well, if not all, if of their content is taken from other direct sources. And it's compiled by a lot of people, like you said. So, I mean, it doesn't always cover every aspect of everything, but um, at least in a general sense, it's a very solid source. So I looked up a little bit on the Mercury Prize. It's actually an annual music prize award for the best album from the United Kingdom and Ireland. It, it was established by the British Phonographic Industry. So it's basically the British version of the Grammys. Interesting. So that's actually a big deal. It's not just like some chintzy little... That might be why we weren't thing. familiar with it. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, now that I've talked your ear off about a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with this song, let's come back and listen to the song. This is a little clip of I Shot the Sheriff, remixed by Ronnie Simons. eighth grade i forgot why but in my, our english class we had to do like a biographic essay uh, mm-hmm. and i did mine about marley so i had to research cool. all about him and i was sad when i found out he was tried to be assassinated and then he died of a brain tumor that's really sad it actually says uh on december 3rd 1976 two days before his free concert smile jamaica bob marley's wife and manager don taylor were wounded in an assault by an unknown gunman inside marley's home Taylor and Marley's wife sustained serious injuries, but later made full recoveries. Bob Marley received minor wounds to his chest and arm. The attempt on his life was thought to have been politically motivated, and many felt that the concert was really a support rally for Marley. So yeah, basically some guy tried to kill him in his home. That's really creepy. Yeah, right? Like, how does that even happen? How do you get into Bob Marley's house? By that time, he was pretty famous. Yeah, I don't know. 76. Maybe he was high. You just let anyone in. Dave's not here, man. Um, speaking of uh, Bob Marley's assassination, this next song that we're going to talk about ties in a little, a little bit with that. Oh, cool. The next song is Exodus, which is an, another one of my favorite Bob Marley songs. Um, this one was remixed by Pretty Lights, who we have talked about uh, a number of times on the show before. Um, he's an independent electronic artist and record producer. We also reviewed his double LP, Filling Up the City Skies, in our 20th episode. If you are interested in that, you should check that out as well. So Exodus is pretty obviously on the title track from Marley's 1977 album, also called Exodus. That was the first album that he released after moving to the UK, which he did following the the assassination attempt in Jamaica. There you go. Exodus was his eighth album, but it was the first to help him gain more international popularity and is considered by many to be his best work. Another example of someone who didn't gain a lot of um, expansive popularity until pretty late in their career. Because, I mean, that's an eighth album. That's a lot. Yeah, really. Because I think, who was it, like Cool in the Gang or someone? It was kind of a similar... Oh, yeah, like they didn't really get popular until like their like, 
like sixth or seventh album or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of funny how that happens sometimes, but I'm I'm sure that moving to the UK helped. Probably. With a lot of that, that also might explain why he had a lot more charting hits in the UK than he did in the US. Yeah, I think I think overall, I think the UK was more initially accepting of reggae music because there were so many Jamaican immigrants. Mm-hmm. I think they were initially a lot more accepting than say the US. Yeah, needless to say, Marley didn't have a ton of hits in the US, but obviously was more popular in the UK. So Exodus, the song, the original version, just like the rest of that, um, the Exodus album. Um, was written by Marley to help his Rastafarian people overcome oppression because he said, quote, they were struggling to be free. So I guess there was a lot of tension in Jamaica at the time with the Rastafarian people. They really appreciated that he wrote this album uh, kind of in um, dedication to them and their struggle and comparing them to people in the Bible who also had Exodus. Uh, Many elements of Rastafari reflect its origins in Jamaica, a country with a predominantly Christian culture, Rastafari holds to many Jewish and Christian beliefs and accepts the existence of a single god called Jah, who has sent his son to earth in the form of Jesus or and Selesi. Rastafari accept much of the Bible, although they believe that its message has possibly been corrupted. Yeah. So they believe in Jesus and God, but they also believe that this king of Ethiopia, Hal Selesi I, was also a prophet of God. Interesting. It says that they believe that it was basically Jesus in his second advent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the similarities between Rastafarianism and Christianity. I, th- I mean, you you hear a lot of it in his songs as well, because there's a lot of biblical references. Yeah, definitely, especially in this one. Right, exactly. So I guess that's a little comparison between the Rasta people and the Bible. <laughs> anyway, so why don't we go ahead and listen to a clip of Exodus? Which is the pre-lights remix. We the generation, tell me why. say it compares to his regular style i think it adds that sort of heavy distortive crunchiness because of the somberness of the original material yeah but it generally kind of has that same impactful nature of the original like when it kind of goes into that whole dubstepy breakdown yeah yeah during yeah. the chorus that kind of heightens the intensity i guess of the emotion of the original song yeah that's a good point it kind of this is one of the few that kind of rather than sticking to the original kind of changes the feeling of the song but in a way that it tries to heighten what it what it interprets i guess the, the meaning to be yeah the original exodus song wasn't like super downbeat it was more like a hopeful exodus song this one but it wasn't super upbeat either no but this one sort of more heightens the oppressive nature i guess about bob Marley was trying to talk about it and that's a really good point actually that's 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 my interpretation of it at least yeah what we got up next, Mr. Kyle? The next song that we wanted to talk about is his song, One Love, which was remixed by Fotech. A little bit of info on Fotech. He, it is the stage name of Rupert Parks, a record producer and DJ based in the UK, and has been active in the electronic scene since 1992. Wow, he's old. So he's been around for a while. Yeah. Seems like they all come from the UK. It's seriously, like, it's where all that crap started. It's yeah, I think a lot of it started there. Um, I know Prodigy and all those guys did too, so... Hmm. And 
Jamiroquai. They're not their more sort of jazz, whatever. Yeah. Um, One Love is arguably Bob Marley's best-known song, if not one of them. But the version that is that most people are familiar with wasn't actually released until 1984, three years after his passing. The song is credited with soul legend Curtis Mayfield as a co-writer because the song takes an extensive interpretation of People Get Ready by the Impressions, Mayfield's soul and R&B group. It's funny because on, on that last point, I knew the song One Love before I knew the song People Get Ready by the Impressions. When I heard when I first heard People Get Ready, um, it was funny because all of a sudden I was hearing lines of lyrics that I knew from the, um, One Love by Barb Marley. So I thought that was funny. And then I kind of connected in my mind that Barb Marley probably got it from this song instead of the other way around. Because I think usually people tend to take from soul. And especially People Get Ready, that's a very spiritual song, which makes sense with Bob Marley and everything. Actually, People Get Ready is one of my favorite soul songs as well. Yeah, it's oh, a good song. That's, that's definitely my tops. Let's take a little listen then to the Fotech remix of One Love, People Get Ready, so you can fill your ear holes with One Love. One thing about this remix of one love it feels very stripped down yeah even even the original isn't that intense i mean it's not really intense at all but this one takes it even kind of a step lower it's kind of an interesting take on it yeah it like really slows it down so it's almost like an easy listening version yeah kind of ethereal almost so the next song that we want to talk about is called punky reggae party this is a remix by z trip featuring lee scratch perry Z-Trip is an electronic DJ known for pioneering the mashup movement. And for those of you who don't know what a mashup is, it's basically you're seamlessly mixing two or more songs together, and it usually has some kind of electronic additions to it. So it's pretty good stuff. So Z-Trip was one of the originators of this movement, which is pretty cool. And Lee Scratch Perry is a reggae producer who worked with Bob Marley and the Wailers and actually produced uh, the original version of the song Punky Reggae Party in 1977. So it's cool to see that he was one who works on the original version of the song and then came back and is working again on the remix of it, which helps, as we were saying earlier in the episode, we were saying that uh, this kind of helps legitimize these remixes because it's people who Bob Marley worked with directly on the original versions, and now he's coming back and doing it again. So it's pretty cool. Lee Scratch Perry is also considered one of the creators of dub music, and we were saying earlier how dub music was kind of a derivative of reggae that features a lot of uh, instrumental reworking of existing songs, and it also emphasizes the percussion instruments more and adds effects like um, echo and reverb stuff like that. So he was basically one of the godfathers of the dub movement, which would later be a contributing part to dubstep as well. So kind of interesting. I don't know if I knew the original version of Punky Reggae Party before hearing this one, which is too bad because I guess, I mean, I guess I know a lot of Barb Marley stuff. I, I don't think I knew this song. I don't know. Did you? I've, I know I've heard it before. It's just not one of the ones that stands stood out to me. Yeah, but surprisingly, despite that, this is easily within my top three on this album. Um, I really enjoy this song. It's it's upbeat, and it's kind of, kind of got like a funk vibe to it. It's it's fun. I really like it. I can't speak as much to how much it stays the original, but um, in itself, it's it's a very good song and uh, one of my favorites. So why don't we go ahead and listen to the Z Trip and Lee Scratch Perry remix of Punky Reggae Party.
not that related, but uh, kind of a cool thing I was reading about Lee Scratch Perry. He actually had some influence with The Clash because I'm familiar with a lot of their stuff, and I know they did a lot of um, experimentation with kind of cross between rock and reggae, which is kind of interesting. But they did a cover of one of his songs, but then he also produced another one of their songs, and those are both on their um, first album. So it's cool to kind of see that he was influencing some of that music as well because that's pretty different. That's pretty cool. Do you want to tell us about the, the last song? I do. From this album, Kyle? Yeah, the last song is the song Buffalo Soldier, remixed by his son, Stephen Marley. Buffalo Soldier, obviously, is one of his more famous songs. And it was actually uh, co-written by both Bob Marley and Noel G. King Sporty Williams from Marley's final recording sessions in 1980. It actually didn't appear on a record until the 1983 posthumous release of Confrontation. Mm. So... Obviously, that came out a year before this Legends album. Yeah, and two years after his death. Yes. The title and lyrics refer to the black U.S. cavalry regiments known as Buffalo Soldiers that fought in the Indian Wars after 1866. Marty likened their fight to, the, to a fight of survival and recasts it as a symbol of black resistance. Hmm. So, Interesting. from a historical perspective, basically, black soldiers were forced because... 1866, that's literally like, what, a year after emancipation? Hmm. A lot of black soldiers were sort of conscripted, I guess, into the uh, Indian Wars. But yeah, basically Bob Marley internalized that and saw it as sort of a fight for their own survival, because if they didn't kill, they would be killed. Right. Kind of interesting, I suppose. This particular version of the song, which was remixed by his his seed, Stephen Marley, uh, is very... Dubstepy and very yeah. hard. Probably, probably the most. Yeah, probably, I was just about to say probably the most dubstepy of any of them. Yeah, that's not to say that it isn't good. No, it kind of slows down the tempo of the original a little bit by adding in these sort of like segments of instrumental dubstep between the chorus and the verses. Mm. A lot of reverb, but it kind of better invokes. I don't. How do I say it? It better invokes the concept of the of war and fighting because of the emphasis on the bass drops, the hits, mm. it kind of adds like a level of bass beat to it that kind of evokes that concept of battle, which it, what few people really know is what the song was about, was right. soldiers fighting in the Indian Wars. I didn't know that before you told me that now. I, yeah. I mean, I knew, I, I knew that Buffalo Soldiers were in reference to um, two American black soldiers. I just didn't know in what context. Mm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And on your note with how it sounds more warlike, for lack of a better term, um, the original Buffalo Soldier is very up-tempo. It's not, it's not really, it doesn't feel that deep at all. I mean, it feels, the lyrics are, in, you know, in a way, but it's, it's not like a somber song by any means. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's not a somber song, but if you look at the lyrics uh, separate from the music, it is kind of. And yeah. It's interesting that he kind of put an upbeat twist on it, and I think, this version of it by his son kind of takes it back to that more somber tone. Yeah, kind of interesting. But that's just my opinion. Well, we're not here to tell other people's opinions, so... Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, let's actually listen to a little clip of the remixed Buffalo Soldier by Stephen Martin. From Africa, 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 Africa. to America, America. on the river. I mean it when I analyze the stench. To me, it makes a lot of sense. 
I wonder if I mean does Stephen Marley do other dubstep? I mean is he like a dubstep guy or how how um, just just in my little researching of him, he basically does reggae music with his brother Ziggy, but I'm sure he has some sort of like electronic influence there. Mm. That's cool. It surprised me just a little bit that one of the songs that kind of steps back from the original the most is done by one of his sons. So I mean, it gives you a little bit more respect for it, I guess. I don't think I think probably they respect his original work more than anybody else. I would assume. Yeah. So yeah, that is actually the last song on the album. So I think that just about wraps up our review of this album. So we talked about well, that's about seven songs or so. Yeah. Now, that's not that's not even half as many as are on the entire album. So there's sixteen. So there's sixteen. Yeah. So yeah, we didn't even cover half of them. But um, I think we would we were considered these some of the highlights of the album. But definitely the ones that we didn't talk about are are pretty good as well. It, it's kind of rare, but I would say that actually I like every song on this album. Yeah. And there's not really one that I don't like. So I mean, obviously some I like better than others, but there's none of them that I don't like at all. <laughs> obviously, others might uh, argue with us on that. Even even some of the ones that we did talk about today are ones some some people who had mixed feelings about it they did like some of the ones like for example three little birds I think a lot of people like that one probably for the reasons we were saying that it was pretty similar to the original agree uh, stuff like that so uh, overall I think the both of us agree that it's uh, it was a very well done respectful way to to remix his greatest hits you listeners can decide for yourselves whether uh, you thought these sounded pretty good or not yeah. can you post the link to that to that SoundCloud uh, oh yeah I can do that so that you guys can listen to it. We found on SoundCloud, they posted a uh, link, I suppose, that uh, you can listen to all their songs through SoundCloud. That'd be, that's a good, because I mean, I, I listened to it there once or twice um, before buying it, so definitely a, a great way to give it a test run or two. For sure. So that pretty much wraps up our show for today. So if you want, you can, after listening to our show, you can give us comments about how you thought this album sounds either if you listen to the whole thing or just from what you heard on our show today you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk and uh, we encourage you to to tell us what you thought about these songs and you know if you felt that they didn't do the original songs justice or whether they did um we'd be interested to hear uh what you guys had to think about that because apparently we're in the minority so you can also subscribe to us on itunes to search for funk radio under podcast also check out our gracious host the eighth circuit.com they have lots of multimedia pop culture news, and they also host several. Their their podcast list keeps growing. We've been on there for a while, but there's new ones popping up all the time, and they're definitely good listens as well, so we would uh, encourage you to check those out as well. For sure. Mostly about um, movies and television shows and video games, so if those things interest you at all, um, definitely there's some good stuff to listen to. Thank you for listening to our review of Legend Remixed by Bob Marley and several other people as well. This has been your host, Peter. And this has been your host, Kyle. We have been Funk Radio. Listen to us next time. And bye. We love you. That too. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.